Chapter Eight of Elsie's Motherhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Elsie's Motherhood by Martha Finley. Chapter Eight. A horrid spectre rises to my sight, close by my side and plain and palpable in all good seeming and close circumstance as man meets man joanna bailey it was a sultry summer night silent and still not a leaf stirring hardly so much as the chirp of an insect to be heard the moon looked down from a cloudless sky upon green lawns and meadows fields and forests clothed in richest verdure gardens where bloomed lovely flowers in the greatest variety and profusion filling the air in their immediate vicinity with an almost overpowering sweetness, a river flowing silently to the sea, cabins where the labourer rested from his toil, and lordlier dwellings where, perchance, the rich man tossed restlessly on his more luxurious couch. Mr. and Mrs. Travilla had spent the earlier part of the evening at the Oaks, and after their return, tempted by the beauty of the night, had sat conversing together in the veranda, long after their usual hour of retiring now they were both sleeping soundly perhaps the only creature awake about the house or on the plantation was bungie the great watchdog who released from the chain that bound him during the day was going his rounds keeping guard over his master's property a tiny figure clothed in white stole noiselessly from the house flitted down the avenue out into the road beyond and on and on till lost to view in the distance so light was the tread of the little bare feet that bungie did not hear it nor was bruno sleeping on the veranda aroused on and on it glided the little figure now in the shadow of the trees that skirted the roadside now in the broad moonbeams where they fell unimpeded upon dew-laden grass and dusty highway alike iron had been left more than a mile behind yet farther and farther the bit feety were straying farther from home and love and safety when a grotesque hideous form suddenly emerged from a wood on the opposite side of the road seemingly of gigantic stature it wore a long white garment that enveloping it from head to foot trailed upon the ground rattling as it moved and glistening in the moonlight the head was adorned with three immense horns white striped with red a nose of proportional size red eyes and eyebrows and a wide grinning red mouth filled with horrible tusks out of which rolled a long red tongue catching sight of the small white form gliding along on the other side of the road it uttered a low exclamation of mingled wonder awe and superstitious dread but at that instant a distant sound was heard like a rumble of approaching wheels and it stepped quickly behind a tree Another minute or so and a stage came rattling down the road. The hideous monster stepped boldly out from the shadow of the tree. There was a sharp crack of a rifle, and the driver of the stage tumbled from his high seat into the road. The horses started madly forward, but someone caught the reins and presently brought them to a standstill. Ku Klux! exclaimed several voices, as the trailing, rattling white gown disappeared in the recesses of the wood. The stage door was thrown open three or four men alighted and going to the body stooped over it touched it spoke to it asking are you badly hurt jones but there was no answer dead quite dead said one 
Yes, what shall we do with him? Lift him into the stage and take him to the nearest town. The last speaker took hold of the head of the corpse. The others assisted, and in a few moments the vehicle was on its way again, with its load of living and dead. No one had noticed the tiny white figure which now crouched behind a clump of bushes, weeping bitterly and talking to itself, but in a subdued way, as if fearful of being overheard. "'Where am I? Oh, Mamma, Papa, come and help your little Vi. I don't know how I got here. Oh, where are you, my own Mamma? A burst of sobs. Then, oh, I'm so afraid, and Mamma can't hear me, nor Papa, but Jesus can. I'll ask him to take care of me, and he will.' The small white hands folding themselves together, and the low sobbing cry went up. "'Dear Jesus, take care of your little Vi, and don't let anything hurt her, but please bring Papa to take me home.' At Ion, little Elsie woke and missed her sister. They slept together in a room opening into the nursery on one side, and the bedroom of their parents on the other. Doors and windows stood wide open, and the moon gave sufficient light for the child to see at a glance that Vi was no longer by her side. Slipping out of bed, she went softly about searching for her, thinking to herself the while, "'She's walking in her sleep again, dear little pet, "'and I'm afraid she may get hurt, perhaps fall downstairs.' "'She had heard such fears expressed by her papa and mamma, "'since of late Violet had several times risen and strayed about the house "'in a state of somnambulism. "'Elsie passed from room to room, "'growing more and more anxious and alarmed every moment "'at her continued failure to find any trace of the missing one. "'She must have help. "'Dinah, who had care of the little one, slept in the nursery.' Going up to her bed, Elsie shook her gently. "'What's the matter, honey?' asked the girl, opening her eyes and raising herself to a sitting posture. "'Where's Violet? I can't find her.' "'Miss Violet? Ain't she fast asleep side of you, Miss Elsie?' "'No, no, she isn't there, nor in any of Mamma's rooms. I've looked through them all. Dinah, where is she? We must find her. Come with me quick.' Dinah was already out of bed and turning up the night-lamp. "'I'll go all over the house, honey. "'But spect you better wake your pa. "'He'll want to look for Miss Wylet hisself.' "'Elsie nodded assent, and hastening to his side, "'softly stroked his face with her hand, kissed him, "'and putting her lips close to his ear, whispered half-sobbingly, "'Papa, papa, Vi's gone. We can't find her.' "'He was wide awake instantly. "'Run back to your bed, darling,' he said, "'and don't cry. Papa will soon find her.' He succeeded in throwing on his clothes and leaving the room without rousing his wife. He felt some anxiety, but the idea that the child had left the house never entered his mind, until a thorough search seemed to give convincing proof that she was not in it. He went out upon the veranda. Bruno rose, stretched himself, and uttered a low whine. "'Bruno, where's our little Violet?' asked Mr. Travilla, stooping to pat the dog's head and showing him the child's slipper. "'Lead the way, sir. We must find her.' There was a slight tremble in his tones. "'Dinah,' he said, turning to the girl, who stood sobbing in the doorway, "'if your mistress wakes while I'm gone, tell her not to be alarmed. "'No doubt, with Bruno's help, I shall very soon find the child and bring her safely back. "'See, he has the scent already.' "'as the dog who had been snuffing about suddenly started off at a brisk trot down the avenue. "'Mr. Travilla hurried after.' his fatherly heart beating with mingled hope and fear. On and on they went, closely following in the footsteps of the little runaway. The dog presently left the road that passed directly in front of Ion, 
and turned into another crossing it at right angles which was the stage route between the next town and the neighboring city it was now some ten or fifteen minutes since the stage had passed this spot bearing the dead body of the driver who had met his tragical end some quarter of a mile beyond the loud rumble of the wheels had wakened little vi and as in a flash she had seen the whole the horrible apparition in its glistening rattling robes step out from behind a tree and fire and the tumble of its victim into the dusty road then she had sunk down upon the ground overpowered with terror but the thought of the almighty friend who she had been taught was ever near and able to help calmed her fears somewhat she was still on her knees sobbing out her little prayer over and over again when a dark object bounded to her side and bruno's nose was thrust rather unceremoniously into her face bruno you good bruno she cried clasping her arms about his neck take me home take me home ah papa will do that now that he has found his lost darling said a loved voice as a strong arm put aside the bushes and grasped her slight form with a firm but tender hold how came my little pet here so far away from home he asked drawing her to his breast i don't know papa she sobbed nestling in his arms and clinging about his neck her wet cheek lay close to his that carriage waked me and i was way out here and that dreadful thing was over there by a tree and it shooted the man and he tumbled off on the ground oh papa hurry hurry fast and let's go home it might come back and shoot us too what thing daughter he asked soothing her with tender caresses and still holding her to his breast he walked rapidly toward home great big white thing with horns papa i think my pet has been dreaming no no papa i did see it and it fired and the man tumbled off and the horses snorted and ran so fast then they stopped and the other mans came back and i heard them say he's killed he's quite dead oh papa i'm so frightened and she clung to him with convulsive grasp sobbing almost hysterically there there darling papa has you safe in his arms thank god for taking care of my little pet he said clasping her closer and quickening his pace while bruno wagging his tail and barking joyously gambled about them now leaping up to touch his tongue to the little dusty toes now bounding on ahead and anon returning to repeat his loving caress and so at last they arrived home mr travilla had scarcely left the house ere the babe waked his mother she missed her husband at once and hearing a half-smothered sob coming from the room occupied by her daughters she rose and with the babe in her arms hastened to ascertain the cause she found elsie alone crying on the bed with her face half hidden in the pillows my darling what is it asked the mother's sweet voice but where is vi oh mamma i don't know that is the reason i can't help crying said the child raising herself and putting her arms about her mother's neck as the latter sat down on the side of the bed but don't be alarmed mamma for papa has gone to find her where daughter she cannot have gone out of the house surely at this instant dinah appeared and delivered her master's message to obey his injunction not to be alarmed was quite impossible to the loving mother heart but she endeavoured to conceal her anxiety and to overcome it by casting her care on the lord the babe had fallen asleep again and laying him gently down she took elsie in her arms and comforted her with caresses and words of hope and cheer mamma said the little girl i cannot go to sleep again till papa comes back no i can see you can't nor can i so we'll pull on our dressing-gowns and slippers and sit together at the window to watch for him 
and when we see him coming up the avenue with vi in his arms we will run to meet them so they did and the little lost one found again was welcomed by mother and sister and afterward by nurse and mammy with tender loving words caresses and tears of joy then dinah carried her to the nursery washed the soiled tired little feet changed the draggled nightgown for a fresh and clean one and with many a hug and honeyed word carried her back to bed saying as she laid her down in it now darling don't you get out of here no more till morning no i'll hold her fast and papa has locked the doors so she can't get out of these rooms said elsie throwing an arm over vi yes hold me tight tight murmured vi cuddling down close to her sister and almost immediately falling asleep for she was worn out with fatigue and excitement elsie lay awake some time longer her young heart singing for joy over her recovered treasure but at length fell asleep also with the murmur of her parents voices in her ears they were talking of violet expressing their gratitude to god that no worse consequences had resulted from her escapade and consulting together how to prevent a repetition of it mr travilla repeated to his wife the child's story of, of her awaking and what she had seen and heard oh my poor darling what a terrible fright for her elsie exclaimed but do you not think it must have been all a dream that was my first thought but on further consideration i fear it may have been another ku klux outrage i dare say the disguise worn by them may answer to her description of the horrible thing that shooted the man i judge so from what i have heard of it but who could have been the victim she asked with a shudder i do not know but her carriage was probably the stage it was about the hour for it to pass day was already dawning and they did not sleep again mr travilla had gone on his regular morning round over the plantation and elsie stole softly into the room of her little daughters though past their usual hour for rising they still slept and she meant to let them do so as long as they would they made a lovely picture lying there clasped in each other's arms her heart swelled with tender emotions love joy and gratitude to him who had given these treasures and preserved them thus far from all danger and evil she bent over them pressing a gentle kiss upon each round rosy cheek little elsie's brown eyes opened wide and putting her arms about her mother's neck mamma she whispered with a sweet glad smile was not god very good to give us back our vi yes dearest oh so much better than we deserve violet started up to a sitting posture mamma oh mamma i did have a dreadful dreadful dream that i was way off from you and papa out in the night in the woods and i saw she ended with a burst of frightened sobs and tears hiding her face on the bosom of her mother who already held her closely clasped to her beating heart don't think of it darling you are safe now in your own dear home with papa and mamma and sister and brothers tender soothing caresses accompanied the loving words mamma did i dream it asked the little child lifting her tearful face and shuddering as she spoke the mother was too truthful to say yes though she would have been glad her child should think it but a dream perhaps some of it was daughter she said though my pet did walk out in her sleep but papa is going to manage things so that she can never do it again and god will take care of us my darling the sobs grew fainter and softly sighing yes mamma she said I asked him to send papa to bring me home and he did and papa came in here this morning and kissed both his girls before he went downstairs did you know that did he oh i wish i'd wake to give him a good hug 
"'I, too,' said Elsie. "'Papa loves us very much, doesn't he, Mamma? "'Dearly, dearly, my child, you and all his little ones.' Vi's tears were dried, and when her father came in, she met him with a cheerful face, quite ready for the customary romp. But days passed ere she was again her own bright, merry self, or seemed content, unless clinging close to one or the other of her parents. While the family were at the breakfast-table, Uncle Joe came in with the mail, his face full of excitement and terror. "'Dem Ku Kluxes, they's getting awful dangerous, massa," he said, laying down the bag with a trembling hand. "'They's gone and shot the stage-driver and killed em dead on the spot last night, sir, just over yonder, in de road t'other side of Mars Leland's place, and—' Mr. Travilla stopped him in the midst of his story, with a warning gesture, and an anxious glance from one to another of the wondering, half-frightened little faces about the table. "'Another time and place, Uncle Joe.' "'Yes, sir. Beg a pardon, sir, Mazdeddard. And the old man, now growing quite infirm from age, hobbled away, talking to himself. "'Sure enough, you old fool, Joe. Might a knowed you shouldn't told no such things for de chillin'. "'Was it about my dream, papa?' Vi asked with quivering lip and fast-filling eyes. "'Never mind, little daughter. We needn't trouble about our dreams,' he said cheerily, and began talking of something else in a lively strain that soon set them all to laughing.' It was not until family worship was over and the children had left the room that he said to his wife, The Ku Klux were abroad last night, and I have no doubt Uncle Joe's story is quite true, and that our poor little Vi really saw the murder. Elsie gave him a startled, inquiring look. You have other proof? Yes, Leland and I met in going our rounds this morning, and he told me that he found a threatening note signed KKK tapped to his gate, and had torn it down immediately, hoping to conceal the matter from his wife, who, he says, is growing nervously fearful for his safety. Oh, what a dreadful state of things! Do these madmen realise they are ruining their country? Little they care for that, if they can but gain their ends, the subversion of the government and the return of the negro to his former state of bondage. She was standing by his side, her hand on his arm, "'My husband,' she said in trembling tones, looking up into his face with brimming eyes, "'what may they not do next? I begin to fear for you and my father and brother.' "'I think you need not, little wife,' he said, drawing her head to a resting-place on his shoulder, and passing his hand caressingly over her hair. "'I think they will hardly meddle with us, natives of the place, and men of wealth and influence. And,' he added low and reverently, "'are we not all in the keeping of him without whom—' not one hair of our heads can fall to the ground yes yes i will trust and not be afraid she answered smiling sweetly through her tears then catching sight through the open window of a couple of horsemen coming up the avenue ah there are papa and horace now she cried running joyfully out to meet them have you heard of last night's doing of the ku klux were the first words of horace jr when the greetings had been exchanged run away dears run away to your play elsie said to her children and at once they obeyed. Uncle Joe came in this morning with a story that Jones, the stage-driver, had been shot by them last night in this vicinity, Mr. Travilla answered, but I stopped him in the midst of it as the children were present. Is it a fact? Only too true, replied Mr. Dinsmore. Yes, said Horace. I rode into the town before breakfast, found it full of excitement, the story on everybody's tongue, and quite a large crowd about the door of the house where the body of the murdered man lay. "'And is the murderer still at large?' asked Elsie. "'Yes, and the worst of it is that no one seems to have the least idea who he is. 
the disguise preventing recognition of course said mr travilla then the grandfather and uncle were surprised with the account of little vi's escapade if violet were my child said mr dinsmore i should consult dr burton about her at once there must be undue excitement of the brain that might be remedied by proper treatment elsie cast an anxious look at her husband i shall send for the doctor immediately he said and summoning a servant dispatched him at once upon the errand don't be alarmed daughter mr dinsmore said doubtless a little care will soon set matters right with the child yes i do not apprehend anything serious if the thing is attended to in time mr travilla added cheerfully then went on to tell of the notice affixed to fairview gate they were all of the opinion that these evil-doers should if possible be brought to justice but the nature and extent of the organization rendered it no easy matter for the civil courts to deal with them the order being secret the members were known as such only among themselves when strangers recognizing each other by secret signs they were sworn to aid and defend a brother member under all circumstances were one justly accused of crime others would come forward and prove an alibi by false swearing were they on the jury they would acquit him though perfectly cognizant of his guilt in some places the sheriff and his deputies were members perhaps the judge also thus it happened that though one or two persons who had been heard to talk threateningly about jones as a carpet-bagger and republican who should be gotten rid of by fair means or foul were arrested on suspicion they were soon set at liberty again and his death remained unavenged End of chapter eight